This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and thank you for joining me today. So this episode is going to be a unique one. I gave a little indication on past episodes that I would be attending the Bed Bath & Beyond bankruptcy lease auction. I had never attended one before, and it was a huge learning experience. And I thought that I would share a little bit about my experience and some insights. So here we go. So... You know, this was a much anticipated auction to start. So I I would start there because so many people in the commercial real estate space had a high regard for the quality of the Bed Bath real estate. So that's number one. Number two, there's been a record low inventory on the market for available space in the size range. And there's been unprecedented tenant demand for this. So there was an assumption that people were going to attend to buy the leases at auction so that they could access real estate that might otherwise not be accessible. I would argue that ended up turning out to be true. There was about 375 leases available. 153 of the leases received bids. Um, So that was, you know, and compared to like the Tuesday morning bankruptcy, which received, you know, which sold like 30 of the 200, it was like just north of 10% of the leases got sold. And I had mentioned, I thought that was a really interesting one and potentially a really strong showing in the Tuesday morning because there was like 30 stores, 30 leases sold, but it was in like 19 different states. So it just showed the magnitude of that the low vacancy and low and low availability of space is widespread throughout the United States as it relates to open air retail. So this was heavily anticipated. So um, myself, internal counsel and bankruptcy counsel had met prior to this bankruptcy lease auction. And so the first thing that you had to do is you had to submit a qualified bid. And there was procedures by which you had to follow to submit a qualified bid. You submitted the bid. And then after the bid was received, uh, which is you had to submit the bid by Thursday, they let you know if you had a qualified bid by that Saturday. Now, keep in mind the following Monday was the auction. So at that time, unless you did some like made a lot of calls, coming into Monday, you didn't know if there were other bids on your space. You had known that your bid was qualified and that uh, if accepted after that you made the offer, you would have to execute on that uh, purchase. You would have to honor your bid. So to walk through the doors, you would have had to have made, you know, at the auction, you would have had to have already made a bid. Otherwise you couldn't get in the, through the doors. So um, you submit the bid and then you, you also tell them, and I didn't realize that the bankruptcy account, our bankruptcy council did this for us. They tell them who from your party will be attending the auction. <clears throat> and so I show up 
um, on that Monday. And you could have shown up in person or virtually via Zoom. They made that an option. And the first phase of that, uh, or so, I'm sorry, so back up. So you, you show up, they, they check you in. After you check in, you go in and there are, there's one main room and then there's some breakout rooms for some people I've been talking with the bankruptcy group prior about, you know, potentially making large package bids or if they were, you know, were a landlord who, a, a creditor that had a large number of locations. And then you go into the big room, there's no assigned seating. You, um, they have tables, tables have mics. Think of it like a big room. And in that room, there was a bunch of tables. And at the front of the room, a huge uh, screen for video. And then the auctioneer, a couple people from the bankruptcy council, so a couple people from the restructuring group, A&G, at that in the front. And again, I had never been here and trying to understand what this is going to be like. So... Now, I had a lot of information. I knew a lot of the bed bath leases. I knew what the rents were because that was public because they were, you know, saying that these were open for sale. So they start about on time. We're sitting there and then they they say that the they say that the auction um they're going to start there's like four phases that they were doing. There was bids that were what they deemed to and thought to be um, a landlord only. So at least that was bid on by only a landlord. And then there was bids that were tenant only. And then there was bids that were um, competitive, where there was locations that had multiple bids. And then there was a package bid at the end that they say for the end. So, and it, it would work like this. It would work like the highest qualified bid, if there were multiple, but if there wasn't, was there. And anyone else in the room could bid on the on this. And they they chose like twenty five thousand increments to bid the lease. So if the it was you know for round numbers, a hundred thousand dollars. The next bid they were looking for was at least one hundred twenty five. Now they didn't have to accept your bid, and there were some they didn't. They thought they might get higher at a later date. And so there's a future auction and, you know, stay tuned for later episodes to hear about that. But there were some massive takeaways for me. So, and, and let's talk about it. And then I just sat there the day and saw how people bid and what, and, and what happened and who won what and how this whole process runs. So there's massive takeaways. One. Simple one, but I think really important. <clears throat> it's a, actually, before I get into that, let's back up. I've had a lot of questions lately. I'm going to answer this. Some people have asked, why would a landlord bid? Because if the, the retailer or tenant files a Chapter 7 bankruptcy and liquidates, and th that, that business never sold that asset, the lease as an asset, then the space goes back to the landlord. So why would the landlord bid? 
the landlord bid if they thought other retailers were going to bid on the, the lease. Maybe for round numbers, let's say the market rent is $20 a foot and this lease that Bed Bath & Beyond had control of was $10 a foot. Well, if someone bought that lease, they would be paying $10 a foot. Maybe the landlord thinks there's upside and has a number in mind they could pay and still make it worth their while if they paid something because they could relet the space at a much higher rent. So that's one reason. Another reason is maybe they feel there's, you know, they want to choose who leases their real estate and having control of their space. Or maybe they have a whole redevelopment planned and they can't afford to someone to buy this lease. And this is the opportunity to get their redevelopment going. So there are multiple reasons. Okay, so those are the three reasons that someone, a landlord would buy. Now let's back up. So what are my takeaways? So one, there was a virtual option for this. And some people, it worked fine. You could just tell by how, some of the questions that the people on the phone were asking that they, it was hard to get the entire gist of what was happening in the room by being states or towns, however far away they were, but virtually. Because they were only on audio. They weren't seen. And so I thought there was a serious competitive advantage by being in the physically present. I also thought one of the things that happened is, you know, if you only made like a bid or two on two locations, you, you were hopefully given some time slots. I, I don't know if that happened or not, but if you were in and out, I think you lose context of everything. Like if you're learning about how people are bidding on assets that aren't the one that you're bidding on, there, there's a lot of takeaways and it's hard to see that if you're in and out. Meaning like you put pause on your Zoom, then you go handle a phone call while the auction's still going on, but you're not in person so you could multitask. I don't think that's the way you should play this, but it works for some, but if, you know, my lesson is for, unless you're forced virtual, if you have the opportunity to be present, I think you should. Majority of the people typically will be, especially uh, if it's one of this magnitude. Two, not all the bids were accepted. So if, if the, they felt that they could get more by taking it to a different, you know, to an auction at a later date or doing something else. The goal of the, the, the business that's filing or filed is to maximize the value of the estate. They're going to do whatever it takes to do that. They think they have an asset that's worth more than you do. Just because you bid, that doesn't mean you're, you're going to win, even if there are no other bidders. So remember, the goal is for them to maximize the value of the estate. It's not to just you know, clear their books of assets. There might be some assets that they feel, you know, and I'm not just talking leases per se, even though that's the focus of what this auction was, but I, I, it really resonated with me. They're, they're, they're focused on maximizing the value of the assets, not necessarily like just clearing the books. And then the third piece was, at least in a, a lease auction, if you buy multiple leases, meaning and you're spending more money in theory than others, the leverage is in your favor. <clears throat> Hands down, the leverage is in your favor. 
And so I think this was one of my biggest takeaways that I didn't realize. It makes sense now that I'm talking about it out loud, but I just <clears throat> didn't realize going in, like if I was competing against someone who, and I was bidding on one, who was bidding on 20, and one of theirs was mine, the likelihood that they're going to let me win that if it meant that it blew up the 20 store package, you know, obviously whatever the dollars people bid matter in that, but it's unlikely that my one location's bid would surpass the 20 that the, another person bid. And so <clears throat> people bidding on multiple locations and if they let the people in the auction, the auction who are running the auction process know beforehand and you know, that maybe, a, and that was, especially if that was the qualified bid, multiple locations, and you're bidding on one or two, and one of your two are in that, you know, package that was bid on, you have an uphill battle. So those who bid on multiple locations at once as a package have the leverage. So again, I gave you some reasons why a landlord bid. I thought that might be interesting. One was to maximize the rent. Two is they get to decide on who goes into their own property and three was if there was a redevelopment and they needed control just to you know do something for a redevelopment um then the th three ta big takeaways one i think being in person has an upper hand over being virtual two the goal of the auction is to maximize the value of the state number three he or she who has the a package of deals has the leverage. So that's what I got for today. Uh, I found it a fascinating um, and educational experience. Um, what are some other things? I saw some other things like there was, you know, someone who was selling a center and someone who was um, uh, buying a center, both bidding on a location. It was really weird. And the court actually, they actually took the time to explain why some of these scenarios were happening, but that was really interesting. So the, the property was like under contract and both the buyer and the seller were bidding on the lease. Um, shoot me a note if you want details on why that happened. Uh, it's, it's pretty long. You can find me on LinkedIn. Um, and so there were, there were multiple, it was interesting to see how people were running math around the problem on how much they could pay. Um, and everybody's math was different, which was fascinating. It was interesting to see which properties had not only significant volume of bidders, which was the, the case, but also that went for such a high value in dollars. Um, and to see those scenarios was a really interesting case. Um, yeah, like right from an acquisition perspective, like I, I sat there one time and I, there was like someone sat was sitting next to me and there was, you know, this this wild a, a wild number of people bidding on this one location and then the the value also got high. Someone's like, "Hell, you get get this? What do you think of this?" And I said, "What do I think of this? I need to find out how to buy this shopping center. This is crazy. I didn't realize everyone wants to be in such and such town in such and such center. You got to own that dirt." So it was really, really interesting experience. So anyways, 
Hope everyone had a great 4th of July and is off to a great summer. Thanks for joining me. Hope you learned something about uh, Frank Street Lease Auctions. Take care. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.